Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, that was something. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and you. Final edition of Sports Talk Mississippi for calendar year 2022. Let us begin today by saying thank you for being a part of the ride, for the highs and the lows, for the ups and the downs, for the excitement, for the frustration. For the laughs and maybe a few tears along the way, 2022 has been uh, its been quite the year. And uh, we appreciate you being with us every step of the way as uh, we've done our best to uh, to cover it all and to, uh, to entertain you. We will be off tomorrow, and then uh, Saturday is New Year's Eve, Sunday, New Year's Day, and then on Monday we'll, uh, we'll flip the calendar to a, uh, a new year, start of a new season, and who knows what is on the horizon in 2023. That's kind of the beauty of what we do in the world of sports is we just really never know. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. We do know that. Pearl River Resort is the home of everything. Right? They got everything there. It's the uh, the sports book. It's Golden Moon Casino. It's Geyser Falls Water Park when it's warm. It's great live entertainment. It's two world-class golf courses. It's great restaurants. It's all of that and more Find out more online at PearlRiverResort.com. You can join us on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. Let C Spire help your business. Meet the authority team from C Spire Business. Check them out online. cspire.com slash business. Hmm. So there was a game last night, boys. Oh, uh, was there? Yes. Um, hey, hey, one team knew that there was a, a game last night. If we want to get those jokes off early, yeah, you did it again, Borky. In that during that game, you did it again. You what did put he do? the Borky curse on somebody. Well, first of all, I was right about Ole Miss basketball losing. They lost. Had an eleven-minute stretch without putting a ball in the hoop in the second half. <laughs> Not many games you're going to win when you do that. So I got that one right. And Arkansas and, won. Yeah, so. You tried. You tried tried your best to jinx Arkansas. And then you made the comment about Ole Miss's offensive line. 
being, you know, whatever. Like, oh, well, you know, the coach didn't, we, we, they let him go, whatever. And then Ole Miss's offensive line got pushed around for the rest of the game. Yeah, uh, they did. You I, jinxed them again. How about the fact that we made a Deuce McAllister 1998 versus Texas uh, onside kick return <laughs> for a touchdown reference yesterday and then last night to ice the game? I tweeted well, it, Deuce, go. about it. I was like, that's, that's crazy. Oh. I couldn't believe it. I watched that and I was just like, seriously? Seriously. 20-some-odd years later, seriously. Yeah. That was an indicator. I mean, it, they're... they're my tweet, hey Dad, though, is spot on. That's exactly why they let him walk. Oh, I'm not saying that you're not right. I'm just saying that it set up the jinx. What did you tweet? That they didn't I, play well the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, I was being negative. Initially. Oh, I thought that didn't it come. It came right after a touchdown drive, though. No, uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Did it not? Okay, no. I must have gotten... Okay. Yeah, All timing right. must All have right. gotten... I'll, I'll yeah. let you off the hook then. Richard, long story short, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was basically um, Auburn people... Uh, there Apparently one Auburn reporter said Lane Kiffin was really fighting to keep his offensive line coach, and Auburn just stole him anyway. Um, and, and I said that was, true. in fact, not true. Um, Erroneous. Very untrue, in fact. It, as far as I understand it, he told his players goodbye after the Egg Bowl. Uh, and that was before Hugh Freeze was hired at Auburn, so he knew he was out. And you saw the product of 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 why last night, among many poor things that happened to Ole Miss, offensive line play was one of them. But I had people, I guess they, they claim they listen to the show, but they don't, or they only hear what they want to hear. Because I had multiple people say, "Oh, you only are talking about this now." It's like we spent every week saying something's wrong up front. Something's wrong up front. They're scoring points, but something's wrong up front. And then, I mean, if you want to use a recent example, Mississippi State absolutely lined up and whipped Ole Miss's offensive line for four quarters to the tune of 15 tackles for loss. What are you talking about when you say we are just now pointing out flaws with the Ole Miss offensive line? Yeah, and you know, a lot of the conversation was, you know, they're kind of getting it done in the running game, but pass blocking. I mean, was an issue all season long. And it was an issue last night as well because Jackson Dart faced a lot of pressure. And I'll pull the box up in a second. I know, Borky, you linked it in the notes. I just haven't opened it yet. but uh, so, I, so I don't have the number of sacks in, in front of me, but he was under pressure a ton. And all of a sudden the run blocking over the last couple of games was quite poor. The ability to run between the tackles was non-existent in the last two games of the season for Ole Miss. And yet, there was still kind of an insistence on trying to run the ball up the middle. And I know it's like, well, you keep doing it, you keep doing it so that you can hit the big one. But at some point, banging your head against a brick wall hoping for a different result is just foolish and is going to lead to a headache. Um, I got a lot of thoughts on the game last night. Um and we've got three hours to unpack it, but we'll also try to kind of preview the semifinals and preview Mississippi State's game. So a lot to get to with uh, with you this afternoon. But I think my overarching thought is Lane Kiffin didn't trust his football team last night. 
And and here's what I mean by that. We, we've watched him coach for three years, and we know that Lane Kiffin is aggressive in terms of play calling, right? Uh, especially with going forward on fourth down, being willing to take a risk in special teams. What what he is aggressive, but he has not generally been super reckless. Going forward on fourth down at your own 18 is reckless. Going for it on fourth down at your own 11 or 9, whichever it was, even when you convert, is reckless. And I mentioned this on the broadcast last night. I don't know if you guys thought about it, because there are a lot of people who were like, well, you went for it on fourth and, what was it, fourth and two at the 11? Instead of punting it away... And they got it. That was on the direct snap to Judkins where he got to the outside and, and converted it. Yeah, he picked up two or three yards to on, on fourth and one. But what happened shortly after that? Ball comes out of Jackson Dart's hand funny. It's an interception. So if you had punted it away, you don't turn it over inside your own 30. Like, you got to play all that stuff forward. And that's not an original thought for me. I was standing with Ian Fitzsimmons on the sideline, and we were talking with Warren Moon, who had some success about punting or going. He's like, man, you got to punt it there. He's like, look, I'm a quarterback. I wanted to go for it on fourth down every single time in my career. But you can't do that. You can't go for it on fourth down. And he's like, if you don't... Go for it and even convert there on fourth down. You don't throw an interception deep in your own territory where once again they've got a short field. So, uh, again, let me, let me back away, and, and I'm not sure if I paid off the point that I made. I think Lane Kiffin didn't trust his team. I don't think you go for it on fourth down as much as he did last night in the situations that he did if he had a level of trust that his defense was going to be able to slow down Texas Tech's offense. Now, whether that should have been the case or not is completely up for debate. But for some reason, Lane Kiffin didn't believe that his defense was going to be able to get it done or that his offense was going to be able to keep pace in a full-on shootout and therefore thought points were going to be a premium and had to be aggressive to the point of being reckless. And the the recklessness... And it probably cost Ole Miss the game. Maybe. And some people were pointing to, well, in the first half, the turnovers on downs where Texas Tech started on Ole Miss's 27 and Ole Miss's 32 only led to 10 points. And it's like, only 10 points? What, what, what do you mean by that? It's when you're constantly putting your defense in backs-against-the-wall situations. Great defenses get scored on, and you don't have a great one. But last night, with full fields, they got enough stops for that game to have been different had you not been, and that's the word, I think. That's the word of the day, is reckless on fourth down. It it teetered away from analytical decisions and and aggressive to stupidity. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. A couple of those decisions felt stupid, especially with what Texas Tech was doing to your offensive line. If you're going to be that predictable on fourth down, you better physically be able to do it. And Ole Miss physically couldn't do it, yet they kept 
running their head into that brick wall for some reason. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. I think I'm going to be able to make Brian Haydad laugh when we come back. This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. <coughs> I thought last night standing on the sideline at NRG Stadium in Houston as I was watching um the game unfold and the uh, the way in which the game was uh, adjudicated. Good Jack Crystal word there. Very good. My thought was, man, I sure do wish Mark Curls was the referee tonight. Because <laughs> it sure would, it would be, as bad as that would be, it would be far better than this. <laughs> Longing for a Mark Curls uh. officiated game. <laughs> is not exactly a ringing endorsement of last night's ACC officiating crew. They incorrectly kicked a guy out. I'm not talking about targeting. I mean, they they are not kicked a guy out, but they incorrectly... Ejected. Yeah. Not not related to targeting. Relating to to the, the fracas on the field. Frustration boiling not, over. Not, not the wrong guy. Not just the wrong guy. A guy from the opposite team. <laughs> like they just they they showed the replay on the screen, and I'm like, wait, what did Watkins do? He's just standing there. What? It must have been something before, and then they show another angle, and it's like, no, he Watkins was thinking about doing is, is, something. He's still oh. just he's just standing there. What what happened there? But so specifically, so this is after the Dayton Wade catch, which would have been a big play. It was a big play. Put Ole Miss in the red zone. He fumbles going down. Loose ball. It's recovered by Texas Tech. Everybody gets up. Everybody starts talking about your mama and their mama and his mama and their mama and them. And everybody gets mad. And they start, you know, hand fighting a little bit and maybe saying some things. Although Texas Tech says, no, there were no, no there weren't anything said. We'll get to that statement coming up in just a moment. Uh, flags flying, and uh, wishing Mark Curls was making the announcement. I instead listened for the uh, gentleman from the Atlantic Coast Conference make an announcement in which he said, after the play, dead ball, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 71 of the offense, Dead ball, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 11 of the offense. Both penalties will be enforced. That's a 30-yard penalty. First down, Texas Tech. He didn't tell us in that announcement that number 11 was actually ejected, though another fish official on the field told Lane Kiffin that 11 was ejected, but it was the 11 for the red team, not the blue team. But both unsportsmanlike conduct penalties were assessed to the blue team, resulting in the blue team player being ejected that wasn't even involved, that <laughs> wasn't close to the brouhaha. 
The melee! They cut to him on the sidelines, and if confusion was a face, that was the face of confusion. Jordan Watkins was like, uh. Coach, well, I, I don't know. They just they picked me. I don't know. What do you want me to do? It was, it was... And, and it was at that point when Lane Kiffin saw the confusion of Jordan Watkins that he goes running back and a play later takes a timeout. Guess what? After another play has been run, nothing can be done. He takes a timeout in a game where he's going to need his timeouts at the end of the game to try and stop the clock so that he can call the officials over and go, you got the wrong guy. And they're like, ah, too late. Sorry. He's like, what do, you, happens, what, do you, what do you mean too late? Sorry. He's like, there's, there's nothing we can do about it. You ejected a player from the game from the wrong team, you moron. What do you mean there's nothing you can do about it? <laughs> and then we got an all-timer uh. from Ian Fitzsimmons, who uh, you've known him for quite some time. Well, Hayden and I got to meet him at Media Days. Very, very nice guy. He's a uh, good dude. He's a football guy. Probably in trouble at home today, if if I had to guess. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna play it? You got it? Uh, give me one second, yeah. Ian Fitzsimmons on oh, the sidelines man. last night was describing the interaction between... Let's see if I get this referee's name. I, for, I forgot his name. Where is it? That's not a little... Oh, it doesn't shit. matter what their names are. Yeah. Uh, so anyway... Lane Kiffin and the uh, the official talking with each other and Ian Fitzsimmons describing that interaction. Look, I've had my wife yell at me at times, man, and it looks like right now that referee is me and Lane Kiffin is my wife. I mean, it is getting nasty right now on the Ole Miss sideline. I don't know what Lane Kiffin is upset about, but he is angrier than a disturbed hornet right now, guys. Disturbed hornet, that man said. He told a few million people that his wife yells at him like Lane Kiffin at the rest. That's, that's not news. Everybody's wife yells at them. I know, but ooh, the, the wives don't want anybody to know that that, that happened. We all know. Dan in Hattiesburg says, thank you for explaining all that. I watched it, but it was like the Three Stooges were officiating. Oh, oh, another. So I did something a little bit different last night. When when Lane Kiffin, and, and there were several occasions where he was talking to an official, I was like, hey, this might be a way that I could actually bring some content to the radio that you can't get anywhere else. And so I kind of got close where I could listen in to what was going on. Lane Kiffin was disturbed over the targeting on the punt return. And... He illustrated to the uh, the gentleman in the white hat from the Atlantic Coast Conference, like physically illustrated, like put his head into the referee's shoulder to show where that the contact happened. And you know what the official told him? Okay, you guys watched the play, right? You, you watched yeah. it. So what happened? I, I nope. missed this one. I was like on my way to the car. No okay. fair catch called. No fair catch. Tennyson was uh, he was high. You you, co- you want him to be lower than that. Hold, but uh, but hold on, no, this is important to the explanation. Let's just let's just explain the play itself. No fair catch. Catch made. And then he starts to make a football move. And you know what the referee told him? Told Lane Kiffin. Defenseless. Like, he was defenseless. He had already caught the football and was starting to run, you moron! Yeah, if a punt returner is going to be defenseless when he's got the ball in his hands, then, then what are we doing there? 
You have a defense. If you're a kick returner, you have a defense. Wave. Isn't isn't a defenseless player when a receiver goes high and gets drilled in the chest? I mean, there was a time, by the way, that that was a great football play. Maybe he was emotionally defenseless. You know, he was just in a bad place. Who are you to judge? All that being said, and it was bad. It was very, very, very bad. Not why they lost. And you're not insinuating that in in any way, shape, or form. Hey, I bet bet Andre Ware loved all those targeting calls, didn't he? uh, There's nobody in football that loves targeting more than Andre Ware. I've had this gripe before. And again, I, I really need to get off Twitter. People on Twitter are just mindless morons. But I've had this gripe before, just hey, watching random. Said the guy who spends a lot of time on Twitter. I know, right? Maybe I fit. I'm on Twitter. I'm not mindless. It is bizarre how often announcers want guys to get kicked out of games. Because that's what they advocate for. You know what I mean? There was a hit earlier in the game that they didn't stop to review for targeting, and they they spent a solid three minutes, which is a long time, talking about why that should have been targeting. And in my head, I'm thinking, you guys are saying that that player should be removed from the game for the rest of the game, kicked out of the game for a debatable football play. Is that really what you want to do? Is that, is that really what we want to do, is to send guys off the field for making a boom-boom football play. And you're, you're just constantly just advocating for that. It drives me nuts because these, a lot of these guys are playing in their last football game, maybe ever. Troy Brown got kicked out of his last game. Yeah, and, and took it really hard. Halftime locker room, he was tears streaming down his face, knowing that his college football career had come to an end on, you know, probably wasn't the smartest play. And, and I think it was targeting. I mean, it was that hit shouldn't get you kicked out of a game. It is the rule. Yeah. Sure, I'm not. I'm not debating whether or not th- that that is targeting. Again, smooth brains on. T- I had a hard time dealing with people on Twitter last night when I said a player shouldn't get kicked out of the game for that. Well, it's the rule. It's like, I, I know it's the rule. I know it shouldn't be. Thanks, Chief. Is my point. You shouldn't get kicked out of a game for that. Fifteen yards. Let him keep playing. <laughs> Uh, so, so uh, Ian and I, he he told me last night because I, I, a couple of the targetings he was like it's targeting Rich I was like that's not targeting man he's like man he's like come on stop being a homer he's like I got no bias here I'm just calling a game I was like ask your boy upstairs there's nobody that loves uh, you know targeting more than your boy Andre Ware does <laughs> he just kind of lost it at that point I was like see what what are they talking about right now they're talking about targeting all night aren't they hey. Um, there are a lot of things about the targeting rule that are patently unfair to the defense, but it's really not any different than any other rules that have been put in place in the last decade, right? Every rule that's been put in place has been to help the offense. Um, and yes, a quarterback has the ability to slide at the absolute last second, giving a defender no other option, and the defender gets tossed. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com. I got the box score in front of me, and I'm tempted to look at the numbers from this game. I don't feel like they tell the story. Very misleading. I mean, Ole Miss had 558 yards of offense on 84 plays last night. And they finished the game with... Mm, how many rushing yards? 197 yards on the ground. I mean, in a vacuum, that's great. But if you watch the game, it looks like it's there are a lot of empty yards in there. It looks like the Arkansas box score. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss. I think I saw a stat. Ole Miss had like 250 yards of offense in the fourth quarter. When the, when the game was you know basically out of reach for most of that, so for, for example, in in terms of hollow stats, Jackson Dart, man, what a mixed bag for him last night. I think by all accounts didn't play a great game, but showed you once again that he is absolutely tough as nails. Kyle Campbell, the media relations director, came to me after he had to be helped off the field. He's like, so the official word is Jackson Dart is probable to return. I looked at him and said, where you? I said, where is he hurt? He said, everywhere. Just beat to heck and back. Yeah. So, but 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 so to the hollow numbers thing, Jackson Dart, three interceptions, makes some poor decisions, makes some really bad throws in the first half, plays a much better second half gutsy, tough as can be, and, oh, by the way, set the Ole Miss Bowl record for passing yards, total yards, and touchdowns in a game. Yeah, and yet and yet, people – I've talked to a lot of people and interacted with a lot of people since the game ended. There are too many people that think Ole Miss's problem, why they lost 5 of 6, is quarterback. It, 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 I, I don't know how – that might just be an overly simplistic way to look at it. That, well, the quarterback's not Bryce Young, therefore the quarterback's why they're losing games. Is he a finished product? Not anywhere close. Is he perfect? No. Although, his interception, receiver, the, the, the one interception deep in their own territory, receiver cut his route off, should not have. They pointed, out, pointed that out pretty clearly on the broadcast. I have a feeling when they watch it on film, they'll realize, not on the quarterback. Oh, there, which one? The the one to Watkins, I think Watkins cut his route off. Dart anticipated him continuing through it where he was going to be. Instead, Watkins stopped to sit down in zone when it wasn't zone. Okay. And you could see Dart running off the field telling him, like, hey, you're, you're supposed to continue. You stopped your route when there was a guy on you. He was throwing him open, basically, either way. Um, had a fumble as well in there. He's not a finished product, or not anywhere close, but he's also 19. That was his first season at Ole Miss. People compare him to, like, Matt Corral, 2021. Well, what was Matt Corral, 2019? You think he could have done what Dart did under the duress that he was under the last few weeks of the season? I don't think so. Of the list of issues for Ole Miss, quarterback is way down on that list. Way down. They have issues up front on the offensive line. I think a schematic issue in the red zone. Because if it is, either way, their red zone offense is terrible. It was, it's was it been bad all season. Bad. Objectively bad in the red zone. Their offense is. 
And when people say, well, it's because Michael Trigg got hurt. So one guy, one guy is the make or break for your offense scoring yeah, points in the red zone? That's If that is true, then that's still on coaching. Because if one guy is that important, one tight end is that important to scoring points in the red zone, then you have got a problem. So that's still their responsibility. Defensively, they, they can't get a pass rush. I think towards the end of the season, they were a distracted football team, at least for a couple weeks. There's a lot of things that happened here for Ole Miss that were more impactful than quarterback play for why they lost 5 of 6. So one thing that affects Dart and people's perception of him is recruiting rankings. Dart was never a 5-star when he was put into the transfer portal. He was a 4-star in high school. He didn't do anything at USC that made you go, okay, this kid's can't miss, going to come in and light the SEC up. He's a good quarterback. He's going to continue to get better. But I think that people see 5-star and they think, okay, no drop-off from Matt Corral. I said this back in the preseason. I said Mississippi State and Ole Miss both are quarter, are programs that when you lose an NFL quarterback, you take a step back. It's yeah. a good job by Ole Miss to only go from 10 to 8. I mean, that that's still a quality season, I mean, yeah. even at the end of it. Guys, the, I, I feel like our thoughts are kind of scattershot, but I, I guess that's okay. Because I think maybe that's the way you're talking about the game, right? You're talking about one thing, and then you're like, oh, and this. Dude, I talked to a buddy at 1 a.m. after the game, and that's how our conversation went. It was 10 different directions. So so I have a thought. Lane Kiffin needs to call plays. He is an offensive mastermind. I, I have said, and it's not just like my opinion. I've talked to some football people, a lot of football people, who say he's the single best play caller in college football and one of the best play callers in football, period. He needs to take that back on. Forgive me for what I'm about to say. You guys may roll your eyes just a moment. But I don't think it's eye-rollable when you talk about the dollars associated with it. Maybe it means Lane Kiffin has to work a little bit more and a little bit harder and has to spend a few more hours during the week to be able to balance being a head coach and the play caller. I'm sorry, you're making $9 million a year, which is more than Sean Payton was making at the time that he was calling plays and running a New Orleans Saints organization as maybe the best play caller in the NFL. Guess what? When you are the best at what you do, it's time to stop delegating that responsibility to a 29-year-old. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but watching Kiffin's decision-making last night, you sure you want that? Yes. He needs to get back into the rhythm and the flow of calling plays all the time, not just saying, go for it, and then letting somebody else call the play they go for it with on fourth down. You have not blocked anybody on the interior of the offensive line in two games. Stop trying to go for it on fourth and one into the interior of the defensive line. When you are getting blown off the ball on first down, second down, third down, and uh, maybe it's going to be different on fourth down. We only need a yard. No. But you've got to be in the rhythm. You've got to be in the flow of doing that. No, sorry. I know, feel the rhythm, feel the, yeah, blah, blah, blah. That was not a movie reference. 
Work yeah. it. We're doing Work the bull it. dance. We're working it. I think it's I think it's time for Lane Kiffin to take that responsibility well, back on. You can make a more general statement and still be correct. And you're paying Lane Kiffin nine million dollars a year. He's got to do whatever's best for his football team in all aspects. So if that means being the play caller because I'm just better at it than Charlie Weiss Jr. is, then yeah, he's got to take that on. $9 million a year and an eight-year deal. Everybody was talking about that a few weeks ago, about how they came up with some way to get through that. It's six, but same difference. It's not eight. Six, whatever. It's it's a lot of money that's going to have to get bought out if he if he doesn't do improve. Oh, no, no, unless he goes somewhere. Unless he goes somewhere, but I'm just saying, people, you got you got Ole Miss fans out there. Eight wins is not acceptable. I'm like, at Ole Miss, buddy, I got terrible news for you if you think that. But, but that's a now, real wouldn't, thought. Wouldn't you also say though, hey, Dad, if you're paying top five money, you better get results that are somewhere in the neighborhood. If you're at a top five school, oh, if you want to pay top five money at Ole Miss, you're just going to have to live with what you get. Five of six is completely and acceptable. totally and utterly unacceptable, especially this, when you pair this, it with how the Auburn situation was handled. It'd be different. This whole thing, it would have been different if Ole Miss could have played LSU or Arkansas or Alabama in week four. Nobody would have, none of this would have happened. The season plays out totally differently. But they, they, they got, we believed. They got to play seven chumps in a row. They beat them all. And then when they had to play the real teams, they got smacked around. It's a, it is an incredible mirror image of what State did in 2012. I I don't know that they're, uh, okay, so maybe to your point, if they play Alabama and LSU in weeks three and week six, and they are four mm-hmm. and two after six games, right. and then finish eight and four. You feel differently about it. It's the order you, in you which, feel totally different. But because I don't know that the outcomes necessarily change. Right, right. But you're not number seven in the country, and you're not talking about the playoff at any point at that time. Ceasefire text line, he lost the Egg Bowl in his bowl game. Lane Kiffin doesn't have the talent to be the best play caller, and he is too cool for his performance. Eh. I mean, that that's part of the thing, though, right, is if you're a great play caller, you're able to make up, you're, you're able to scheme your way beyond throw at the end zone talent. against Alabama and lost a state by two. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. For 2023. I didn't turn your mic on fast enough. Start over. Hey, Borky, I got a request for 2023. Let's hear it. We need a new sound effect. Yeah. We need a sound effect that goes along with a text message that tells any of the three of us how stupid we are, how we're not good at our jobs because we are wrong about fill in the blank. When in reality, the person who tells us that we are stupid and bad at our jobs and are wrong about fill in the blank are completely, totally and utterly wrong 
about what they've texted. This is the second time in as many days. Yesterday it was pronunciation. Richard, you talk into a microphone for a living. You should be able to properly pronounce the word homage. Today, it is this. So, I'll, I, I will leave to you, you creative geniuses, the proper sound effect when somebody needs to be put on blast. Today's message from our moron of the day. You would think the sideline reporter would absolutely know the team he's covering. Apparently, this sideline reporter is just that stupid and naive. He's, he's talking about me, by the way. Charlie Weiss Jr. calls nothing, absolutely nothing. Your head coach calls the plays. Richard, are you that stupid and naive? I applaud you for your damage control, though. <laughs> Maybe we just need the, the Billy Madison clip. I was thinking we should go with the Rainmaker. You must be stupid, stupid, stupid. Like, do I even dignify this with the response as to why he's wrong about what he's saying? Or just, like, move on? I don't know if dignifying people... Well, I'm just I'm just thinking if... I'm wondering if Johnny Texter here has spent much time in the locker room at halftime and, and kind of knows what the flow of the halftime operation is where the defensive coordinator first comes in and calls the defense and they go play-by-play play on what they're going to do in the second half, adjustments that they need to make. And the offensive coordinator, who is Charlie Weiss Jr., calls the offensive up, they go to the board, he has some general comments about what they're going to try to do differently or what they like from the first half, and then they go to the overhead projector that shows the formations of what they're going to do, the things they like, and situationally what they like. That coming from a guy that isn't calling the offense? He just took good notes in a quick little side coaches meeting with Lane when they first came off the field and then immediately goes and presents to the team what they're going to do in the second half. Or the guy who's on the headset in the box that's, I don't know, calling the plays? How many times have you seen Lane Kiffin calling a play on the sideline this year? Like, seriously, have you watched? How many times have you seen him looking at a play sheet or an index card or the Cheesecake Factory menu? I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes. How many times on the sideline have you seen him with one of those this year? Uh, uh, uh. But, but tell me more about what I don't know. Tell me more about how I don't know how to do my job. This job or that job. Tell you don't know more. nothing, Cross. <sighs> <laughs> CC oh, says... 
Ross, I was actually hoping you would tackle Kiffin and make him stop going for it on every single fourth down. Just take his headset. Just take it away from him. Eh, that seems like a not great idea. Uh, also, so on that note, so one of the fourth downs was, was a fake punt, right? He said after the game that he didn't want to do that, but the special teams coordinator did, and so they did it. Um, he told me in the locker room that they had the numbers and the play call worked, and they just didn't make the play. Well... And it didn't work. Yeah. But, pawn, did, but pawning that off on somebody else is, you are the head coach. You have veto power on literally every single thing that happens in your program. If you don't want that call to happen, you tell them no. Yeah. <clears throat> that simple. I actually I didn't know exactly what to expect from Lane Kiffin postgame last night. And I thought he was pretty good. And pretty insightful, and took um, took me down a road that I did not anticipate going with regard to what he thought about the officiating and some of the play calling and some of the stuff. We'll, we'll play that for you. That's about five and a half minutes. We'll, we'll do that to start the 4 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Ceasefire text line, you can be with us that way. Cross, you ain't even got no real airplane. That's from Derek in Greenwood. <laughs> I hear you, D. We'll be back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Go ahead, hey, Dad. Do your thing, baby. That's a great song. It's a great song. I mean, one of the best. So, greatest song of all time or top ten songs of all time is obviously a very subjective metric. But it's hard to create better music than this right here. Yeah? If it's out there, I mean, it's on par with a bunch of stuff that I like otherwise. But I don't know if you can find a better song than that one. Only equal. It's a release date for that. Ooh, 87, something like that. How many, how many songs from the 80s might go into that, uh, that category? More than that are currently coming out. Well, I, and, and I ask <laughs> because, right, I mean, the, there, there is a 85. nostalgia... That is associated with '80s music, especially for those of us that grew up in the '80s. But I think it's more than that. '80s music yeah. has really endured. '80s music overall, '90s country. Th- those are like two genres where, for certainly popular songs and almost all mainstream songs, lots of people know all the words to every song. Yeah. I can't rank songs. I can rank bands and then tell you my favorite songs by those bands. Yeah. But, like, I could not begin to tell you, like, what is the greatest song of all time. I have no idea. Rush did a really good uh, song about the exact premise you're talking about, Richard. Spirit of Radio? 
Spirit of Radio. Spirit of Radio is talking about that oh, right there. Making my music. The music industry lost its heart. They, they started uh, only doing that. They sold their soul to make a buck instead of making music that was from the soul, basically. And then the industry lost its way. Rush wrote that back in the 80s, too, right? Uh, but they're spot on. Uh, you've got what, what a bunch was it, of Billy Joel saying if you're going to make a if you're going to have a hit you got to make it fit so they cut it down to 305 exactly yeah, I mean you think Stairway yeah. to Heaven would be a hit today mm. you got 10 minutes in you Bohemian Rhapsody could you imagine trying to get that so, thing out today no shot a couple a couple of years ago when uh, Tool released their last album uh, it, it displaced Taylor Swift at number one on the charts and all these Taylor Swift you know, teenage girls were losing their mind. Like, what the hell is a tool? What is tool? Who are they? How dare they replace Taylor Swift? And then I remember one of the comments was, oh, my God, look at the length of these songs. How does that work? Because every song is like eight, nine, ten minutes. <laughs> and they, they were just completely shook by the idea that a song could be that long. Really, Joel's the entertainer. Shout out there, to Tool. There, there are some lines in that song that are like, Wow. That's writing. He's letting you know. That is writing. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online to schedule a tee time at dancingrabbitgolf.com. You want to be part of the conversation? Join us, won't you, on the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-879. Four three nine five. We get a message, and I concur. It says, uh, let's go back to the Kiffin interview. Yeah, I mentioned this. This was my guess is that not many of you were still listening to the post game show at twelve thirty last night. Some of you certainly were uh, that were listening on the radio, but maybe not many. So this is probably new content to the majority of our audience. Uh, this is me in the locker room with Lane Kiffin about oh about half an hour after the game ended. Joined now by Lane Kiffin in the uh, locker room. Ole Miss losing in the Texas Bowl tonight, 42-25 to uh, Texas Tech. And you know, everything you do over the course of a year kind of points to 12, 13, 14 games, however many there are in a season. And it's like there's always a suddenness to the end when it ultimately comes to an end. Obviously, this isn't the way that you or your team wanted this season to come to an end. No, that's a really crappy, like, you know, locker room speech that you got to do when it's over for guys that have been here a while, and, and you've been here for three years, so you've had these guys for a number of years, and um, you know, just just disappointing. Credit that that team played really, really hard. You know, I guess the wrong way. They're not full of a bunch of first rounders like we've seen in the SEC. Sometimes those guys played really hard, and um, you know, and got turnovers, and you know, we gambled obviously on the fourth downs, and um, a number of them didn't work. Two of seven on four downs is gonna, you know, it's gonna be tough to overcome, especially when they score on an onside and you know we have a fake punt that we got the numbers, but you know I don't make the play, so falls on me. The, the in general the thought was, you know, you follow what's supposed to be a high scoring game. They have, you know, one of the best offenses in the country, and um, you know so. You, that's why you fall on being aggressive in those games versus more of defense-oriented games. What did you say to your guys? Uh, I just said, you know, we did the recipe. They played hard. We turned the ball over. We didn't look disciplined with the penalties, and all of a sudden we want to fight people. Uh, you know, like I told them, like, well, why do we want to fight all of a sudden, especially when we're getting our butts kicked? 
you know, after the whistle and stuff. And, um, you know, I lost my mind on the one play because I still can't. I mean, the side just tells me 11 is our 11. There's 11 is kicked out of the game for spitting on a player. So and we actually see their 11 getting pulled off and their coaches yelling at them. And then all of a sudden they point the wrong direction and say our 11, they tell me he's ejected from the game and 71 penalty. So then I'm like, well, that didn't happen. Then I go over. I got to call a town to talk to him. Guys, their guy spit on 71 and a racial slur was said. And Jordan Watkins isn't near anyone spitting and he's the one with the penalty. And they had told me he was kicked out of the game. So we're trying to substitute players. And so that really... You know, we all make mistakes, but they, I mean, completely blew that. That's got a lot of officials out there, you know, to not be able to figure out which 11 on which team spit on somebody when a racial slur is involved is a pretty big deal. So when when you bring that to their attention, do, is there any explanation? Uh, I just say it's too late. And it, it really, the first guy said it was their 11. And then it was our 11, which Jordan Watkins isn't even right there on the play. He's not the one in the fight. It's their 11 fighting our 71. So how you screw that up and don't get it fixed with all the officials or, you know, those are, that's a, you know, big deal. Especially when we thought it was an ejection, like they were saying. Offensively in the second half, had more success than you did in the first half. What was different? And we didn't turn the ball over. We made in the fourth down stops. We really were stopping ourselves in the fourth down and the inability to run the ball in short yardage. And then Jackson will tell you he didn't play very good in the first half. You know, he screws a play up that he thinks is something different. And it's fourth and one, and we have the flat route open, and he chucks it deep. So um, he had practiced really well. He didn't um, have his best game, especially the first half. And um, you ended up being responsible, I think, for three turnovers in that half. I guess ultimately, you, you look at the numbers, it's almost impossible to win when you turn it over five times. Sure. Well, I mean, that's the five real turnovers. And then if, I mean, I guess one of the fourth downs is on is an interception, so that doesn't count double. But there's five <laughs> non-made, so I'm not real great in math, but what is that if there's five turnovers and five non-made one? That's nine times that they get the ball back without a kick. What happens next? Um, obviously, we're in a different era than we've been in, in football with recruiting calendars and whatever. So for, for you and your staff over the next couple of weeks, what happens? Well, that's a lot. You know, you're basically into free agency. And, you know, not only are there other players out there, you got to worry about your own players getting bought. So, um, you know, it's a real strange world that, that we're in right now. It's just all, you know. The windows are just all over the place. I know a little lo- longer than we normally go. Um, Malik Heath, kind of, kind of what he meant this year. He has a monster game tonight. Has the touchdown catch where he's getting held. I- I'll say that you don't have to. Um, and and just kind of what he meant this season coming in as a, a one year transfer. Yeah, and in the back. Speaking of holding, when they hold on the back on the two point play, which on the back end line, which is going to give us a chance for a one score game at that point. So that's a really big penalty and. The guy goes to throw the flag and said, well, it's not my call. And so I'm trying to ask whose call it is. They can't give me that answer whose call it is. So I'm not real good at when you tell me, well, that's not really my call when he holds him. But I was almost going to throw it, but I didn't. So back to your original question. Malik has had a really good season. I'm proud of him, um, you know, for the, his turnaround on and off the field. 
Thanks for your time. Wow, he, uh, he didn't, he, 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 he didn't threaten right to in. take your credentials. No, he didn't. You asked him about his staff in the future, and he didn't say, I'm going to get you taken care of. And he was asked in the postgame press conference and straight up said they're yeah. going to make some changes. He, he went the opposite of yeah. Gundy and said, yeah, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Um, do you guys have an issue when you hear an official says, well, that's not my call? Because the question yes. is, did you see it or not? If you saw it and it was a penalty and there is a yellow flag in your belt, you have the ability throw the to flag. throw the flag. What, yes. what, what's the point of having eight of them out there? Eh. Sports Talk Mississippi. thought he was a little more forthright than I expected him to be post-game last night. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, you're going to take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you're going to let it all hang out fast. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's switch gears for uh, for a few minutes. We'll go back to uh, to Ole Miss's game against Texas Tech if there's more that we need to talk about. Hey, Dad, look, so you want to do something? One, one, one thing, though. Well, one yeah. thing real quick. The, the, the comment from Kiffin there about the racial slur. Texas Tech has issued a statement from the yeah. coach and from the player vehemently denying that that happened. So. Sure. Well, I, I, we'll see if it happened. I don't know if it happened or not. We'll probably never find out, but they did deny that it happened. Yeah, so let, let me actually read those. Um, but because you heard it a second ago, Lane Kiffin mentioned it in his interview with me. He talked about it more in his postgame press conference as well. Um, Dimitri Moore, I can't state strongly enough that these accusations are false. It is disappointing to have my final game as a collegiate student athlete overshadowed by the false accusations that were stated last night. Since I have arrived at Texas Tech, I have strived to represent my teammates, this coaching staff, and most importantly, my family in the highest manner. It's been an honor to represent this program as we closed our season with a great team victory last night. And Joey McGuire, the head coach for Texas Tech, says, um, We are disappointed an opposing head coach decided to insinuate serious allegations that are false and irresponsible. I have discussed these allegations with Dimitri Moore, and he disputed the two claims that were brought forth against him. I am proud of our team and our performance last night in what was a memorable win to close our season in front of a sea of Red Raiders. So those were the quotes from Dimitri Moore, the uh, number 11 for Texas Tech in question, and from Joey McGuire, the head coach. Now, Lane Kiffin did clarify in his postgame press conference that that's what his player said to him. I don't know that I fault a coach standing up for his player if that's what his player tells him happened. I mean, you kind of got to trust your guy. And then he also said the referee is the one who told him that 11 for Texas Tech spit on an Ole Miss player. I, I don't know. We'll never know, right? Right. But when when you use the term racial slur... It's going to grab headlines. 
Every news outlet everywhere picked that up this morning, and now you're getting most news outlets picking up the denial of that from Texas Tech. We don't have players mic'd up. We'll never really know. I think if you're Lane Kiffin, you go to bat for your guy. You certainly would like to be certain that that actually happened. But there's no way to be certain, so you got to take your guy's word for it. And if the official tells you that another player spit on one of your players, you're taking his word for it. But at the same time, if I'm Demetri Moore and it didn't happen, I'm absolutely putting that statement out. And if I'm Joey McGuire and my player tells me it didn't happen, I'm absolutely going to bat for him and defending him. I think this story goes away pretty quickly. Yeah. Because we're going to turn the page with so many more bowl games over the next few days. Yeah. I mean, nobody's talking about it beyond us, probably right this second. So, yeah. So, and we're done talking about it now. Yeah. There's. Um, I, I don't know what else we we say about it. Yeah, exactly. We we can't prove anything either way. So. Yeah. Back to the, you know, football losing five of six, all that. The the next question, because I have talked to and engaged with a lot of people over the last 18 hours or so since the game ended, uh, after midnight, college football games take too long. But but fans are mad, a lot of them, anyway. You're going to have that subset of people that will defend coaching program regardless. Everything's fine. Oh, it's fine. I mean, if you'd have said before the season they were going to go 8-4, and four, you would have taken it. Everything's totally fine. Kiffin's got a plan. It's all good. You've got those people out there, and then you've got a larger, more rational majority that are kind of fed up. And and not so much because they lost the Tax Act Texas Bowl. The, losing the Texas Bowl in isolation, whatever. But when it's part of a free fall, of five of six games, and the one win was a close win over a bad Texas A&M team, where competition level did change. That is certainly a part of the equation. But that is not the only reason why Ole Miss lost five of six games. Not, not, not close. Red zone offense, we mentioned before, particularly bad for Ole Miss. If they were better in the red zone, they beat Alabama? Do they beat Mississippi State? And then there's the Auburn distraction, which is exactly what it was, which was the third year in a row where November was, is Kiffin leaving, does he want to leave? And now, it's who you hired, it's who he is, it's his personality. I don't think that he should or will ever become the Sam Pittman, build a statue in front of my lake house, give me a non-compete, I'm a hog till I die, boys. I, I don't think you're ever and should ever get that from your coach. But I was thinking this morning about Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Shane Beamer has a very good job. South Carolina, I think, is on a very similar tier to Ole Miss. It's a good job, great job. Pays a lot of money. You're in the SEC. It's not the pinnacle of the sport. I guarantee you Shane Beamer's got aspirations that extend beyond being the head coach at South Carolina. If a one of the college jobs came open, he'd take it. If the NFL came calling, probably go. There's aspirations beyond where he's at. But listen to Shane Beamer talk about South Carolina. And listen to him talk about the job. 
Remember, right before the season began, there was the, the video that they released where he took his football team to a parking lot, one of the game day lots, and he made them walk from that lot across campus to the stadium to the upper deck, sat his whole team in the upper deck and said, that walk right there is what our fans do every Saturday. They pay sometimes thousands of dollars to sit in this seat. You guys see the field from here? It's a bad seat. But they do it every single week, and they pay their hard-earned money to come watch you play. Shane Beamer does that stuff constantly. I think it's... If, if I were advising Lane Kiffin right now, I would tell him to do some of that because most of what you hear from him is negative. Texas A&M game last year had college game day, won the game, Stadium packed, great crowd. Ah, well, wasn't loud enough. Ah, uh, the fans aren't coming in on conference games. The building that they're currently putting forty million dollars in roof is leaking during construction, leaking to Chris Lowe about NIL not being good enough. Constantly complaining about a school that has given him more than they've given a football coach ever before, that gives him more freedom than any coach in the SEC has. It's fine to have the DGAF attitude when you are winning. People will accept that when you're winning. But now that you're not, now that you just won 8-5, and five, which is what they went, maybe until you can play football games again, because that's what cures everything. Winning cures everything. The only thing that matters is winning football games. But I think it's time for him to show a little love back to Ole Miss. Be more... Be more visible. Be more seen. Be more about the people that are paying him $9 million after going 8-5. and five. Because Shane Beamer's message resonates with South Carolina people. Their season, the regular season, same record as Ole Miss's. You know how those people feel about Shane Beamer, though? They would die for him. Ole Miss fans are... are, are exhausted by Lane Kiffin. I, I had a friend tell me... South Carolina is taking 40,000 fans to Jacksonville for the Gator Bowl. Yeah. I had a friend tell me last night, he's a, a season ticket holder and a Grove Collective member, and he's still going to do both of those things. But he said, it feels like we give... This is what he said. It, he said, it feels like we give him everything, and he still thinks he's too good for us. And I promise you... My buddy that said that last night is not anywhere close to uh, alone in that feeling. If I were advising Lane, I would tell him to publicly care more. And it might help you in this interim time after you had a a, a collapse, which is what this season was, and your program's going to go through some turnover before you can get it right. Messaging from the top of the Ole Miss football program has to change if he wants to curry some favor until we can start winning football games again, if that happens. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with anything you said at all. I do think the flip side of that argument it is you knew what you were getting with Lane Kiffin and expecting something different maybe is a little bit foolish. But we'll see. The the game, I mean, 
Should it be drastically different because of money? I don't know. But it is because there's a lot of money that is tied up in this program. And it's Ole Miss fans who are being asked to foot the bill for it. And NIL, donations, etc. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. text line to Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach. Here's one that says, to me, Lane Kiffin is Mike Leach. As much as we would like to change the things that bother us, it never is or was going to happen. There are always going to be trade-offs you have to make being a Mississippi college competing in the SEC, at least in the near future. I don't know that it's being a Mississippi college. I think it's when you bring a certain head coach in, they are going to do things their way. Yeah, Mike Leach had two decades, though, of a head, being a head coach before he came to Mississippi State. I mean, the, yeah, Lane Kiffin was left of... in the tarmac at, at Southern Cal. I mean, it's, you know, maybe you maybe he never will change, but he needs to. Or he'll meet the same fate in Oxford. Yeah, to, I mean, Some changes anyway, not a dramatic personal shift, but he admires Nick Saban so much. What does Nick Saban do all the time? You think Nick Saban's doing today what he did in 2008? Both in football and in how he manages players? Handles recruiting? No. If you don't adapt, things things have to change, man. You can't have another November like this one. Because I know it's an easy punching bag. Auburn stuff was not John Sokolov's fault. It was not John Sokolov's fault. And that distracted the football team and that that fractured the fan base. As we said many times, it could have been ended fast. He chose not to. That is three Novembers slash Decembers in a row where the narrative was, I want to leave. And it may not be true. Maybe he didn't want to leave and he's just so super happy at Ole Miss, but he didn't do anything to change his name from constantly being brought up for other jobs, it absolutely affects them in recruiting. Absolutely does. It absolutely affects his persona or whatever, his approval rating within his fan base. And now that Ole Miss has stepped up financially in ways that people didn't think that they could, when you are getting paid in a similar realm as the Ohio State head coach, Next November can't go like that. Can't happen. It's only it's only been three seasons, Borky. I did eight. It'll be okay. You guys, it, it can't happen. Just relax. It's not. It's not up to the, me. At the end of year one, Mullen Mullen wasn't going anywhere. But it, the rest of them, it's just it, the you know part of the it, game it cannot happen unless <laughs> the results on the field are so good that all of the capital. All of the leverage is Lane Kiffin's. 
I still don't think fans will receive it the same. This Auburn thing really, really bugs people, man. Well, a I, lot I, of people and a lot of wealthy people. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. It's not just wealthy people. It bothered all kinds of people. I know, but the wealthy people pay the bills, you know. Um, is Lane Kiffin's name going to pop up on Black Monday in the NFL? No, I don't think so. If you're an NFL oh, team, I mean... if you're an NFL team where constant, dedicated attention to detail and work ethic is the only way you win. After how all of this has happened, I mean, if you're an NFL team and you just watched a guy go for it on fourth down on his own 11-yard line in the first half, are you kidding? No way. Especially after Kingsbury and Matt Rule failed? Yeah, I had somebody say to me, I don't remember if it was last night or yesterday, you know, Everybody loves to say that Alabama is Lane Kiffin's dream job. Can you imagine going for it seven times on fourth down and being two of seven on fourth down at Alabama when one of the times you go for it is on... Now, the the counter to that is, and this is kind of where we started the show today, I think it's pretty clear that Lane Kiffin didn't believe in his defense to be able to stop Texas Tech. And so he thought he had to do things offensively that were maybe even a little out of character for him. So, I don't know. I buy that. I mean, we've seen it before in Tuscaloosa last year. But don't you want to give them a chance for a couple series before you just write the book on your defense? I mean, and and it feels like. And the defense kept them in the game for a while last night. Texas Tech, it was almost early in the game. Oh. Like Ole Miss was giving it to them on a silver platter, and Texas Tech refused to take it. That could have been 28-35-7 in the first half really easily. Ole Miss's defense did do a decent job in the red zone, for sure. Yeah. What was that? What was the halftime score last night? What was it, 20, 27-7? to 27-7. 26-7. Yeah. And it absolutely could have been 34 to 7 at the half last night. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl has gone final at Yankee Stadium 28 20. Minnesota wins over Syracuse. Minnesota finishes 9 and 4. Syracuse finishes 7 and 6. They are just underway in Orlando at the Cheez It Bowl, a nearly packed house at Camping World Stadium. Uh, obviously, Orlando, not too terribly far from Tallahassee. And it looks, uh, I think Bob Wachusen called it Doak Campbell South. Uh, three to nothing, Florida State opening drive goes down. They stall out inside the 10 yard line. They kick a field goal and take an early three nothing lead over Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma six and six, Florida State trying to win, uh, 10 games after, uh, Mike Norvell went eight and 13 in his first two seasons in Tallahassee. Uh, we got a message just a moment ago. It says, uh, Richard, you were rambling over Ole Miss loss. Bottom line is they got beat all night. Poor coaching and execution. And I said, this is a three-hour radio show. It's kind of what we do. I never really understand that you guys are talking about this too much. And then he his, says, his, his response was discuss the loss, accept <laughs> the defeat, and move on. Move on, Richard. That's right. We, we will do... 
likely two hours and 30 minutes of exclusively Mississippi State on Monday afternoon. Because they will have just played a game Monday morning slash early afternoon. This, the football season just ended for one of the two SEC teams in the state in which we have 12 stations scattered across the state strategically to cover every single county. What would you like us to move on to? The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl? And break down Syracuse and Minnesota? I mean, that that's what Mississippi wants we're, to hear today? Nah. We're going to do whatever the hell we want to do, and there's not anything you can do about it. So you can either sit there and shut up and listen, or you can just turn it off. I don't care what you do, but quit telling us what to do. You're listening to us, buddy. I'm not listening to you. I didn't tune in to hear what you had to say. Shut your mouth. Yes. I hate it. That's what Borky wanted to say. I'll say it for him. I'm definitely going to clip just that, no context, and use it all the time. Give it to me. I don't all care. The time. That could be our that could be our sound effect for when people text us. You're listening to me. I say it all the time on Twitter. You follow me. I don't follow you. I don't care what you have to say. Shut it. It does I've been in such a good mood idea. all week, and I decided to I decided to let it all out there. Uh, Russ from Tennessee. Brian is quiet today. Guess he's not too upset about the game last night. Hey, man, tell us how you really feel. Um. <laughs> wow. They're loving you, uh, except for one guy. That's old Pickwick Reb, who called. He's uh, the guy who had state winning. Who had state winning five games this year? That was a good call. He called what you said a bad business move. Hey, Dad. Oh well, yeah. you'll get over it. In fact, you are you are already over it as we speak. But but I, I am like, I, I just scratch my head about the idea of. Come on, guys, move, move on. The game's on. over. <laughs> We've. Kind of talked about every single possible angle of last night's game, and I actually tried to move on to something else a second ago. And Hey Dad was like, "What? Wait, wait, wait a second! Wait a second! We need to talk about this." Ah, you know, Our, in the name of fair and balanced, you know, I was, let's give the other side of that story. Oh me! All right. It's our All final right. show good. of 2022, and Hey Dad's telling people, "If you don't like it, don't listen." And you know, just shut up. I endorse that message. Cosign. Because as we all know, the people who say they're not going to listen anymore, they listen even harder the next day. (laughs) Why? To hear what we're going to say next. And if it's okay with you guys, I do think we'll come back in the 5 o'clock hour to Ole Miss and uh, Texas Tech. We'll also peek ahead to Mississippi State and Illinois. But I would like to talk about a Maybe some basketball. That happened yesterday. That happened in Starkville last night. Uh, yes. A sold-out Humphrey Coliseum. What did it look like? And it what was. Did it sound like? How did it feel? And how did it play out? Brian Haydad was there, I think. We'll get to that coming up next with you at the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This 
is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oklahoma answers the early field goal from Florida State with a 24-yard touchdown pass from Dylan Gabriel. Extra point coming up as the Sooners try to take a 7-3 lead over Florida State in Orlando in the Cheez-It Bowl. They make the extra point, so it's 7-3 with 7-01 to go in the first quarter. Great crowd, great atmosphere for uh, that game. Later tonight, you've got the Alamo Bowl as well. Texas and Washington from the Alamo Dome. That should be another one where it's a a packed house and a, a really great scene for a college football game. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Last night in Starkville, while the Texas Bowl, presented by Tax Act. The Tax Act Texas Bowl. Yes, I I don't know why I felt the need to get that in. Uh, While that was going on, there was a basketball game going on in Starkville. The SEC opener for Mississippi State. Bulldogs had just one loss going into the ball game. They lose at home last night, 78-67. Sold out Humphrey Coliseum. Let's start there, hey Dad. The uh, announced attendance nine thousand eight hundred three. What did it feel like inside the building? Nineteen ninety six. Really? For a few minutes there, felt like the old days. Um, you know, getting. I was doing the uh, Thunder and Lightning live when Red Hobart tweeted a pic because I, you know, I I knew the, the the tickets were sold out, but I was like. You know, did corporations buy them? Did a booster buy a bunch of tickets trying to, you know, I, I don't know. Is there going to be a huge Alabama contingent? I don't know. And then Red Hobart tweets a picture from the hump of a line just wrapped around the building. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And then I got to the building and, and going through the concourse, and everything, just packed everybody in maroon and white. I uh, get to my, my seat, and it, it was just a very good, engaged, excited crowd until the game sort of got away from State late in the second half. There is a picture on the Mississippi State basketball Twitter feed. It's an end zone shot, if you will, for Mm -hmm. an arena, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. I mean, just packed to the gills. Just packed. And, and, Uh, you know, obviously with, with, with maroon and crimson, you can't really tell who's wearing what from a distance. But when Alabama took the floor, it was just a chorus of boos and not a lot of cheers. I was like, okay, so the Alabama taking over the hump rumor is not correct. And like I said, the the crowd was great and State kept them in the game until about five minutes to go and then it just it just spiraled away from them. So Alabama last night had four players in double figures led by Mark Sears with 20 points in the game, including four of eight from behind the arc. Brandon Miller hit Five threes in the game for Alabama. He had not. That kid. Played. Yeah. He can play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alabama 12 of 32 from behind the arc in the game. The um, As it played out, Mississippi State trailed by four at the half. They were down 34-30. They were outscored 44-37 in the second half. This is an Alabama team that has shown that it can play with anybody in the country. Uh, already this yeah, season. They're a good team. They can shoot. They're yeah. up and down the floor. They're athletic. Uh, they're fast. Mm-hmm. They're looking for threes and layups or, or threes and dunks. Yeah. That That is yeah. Nate Oaks basketball. Mississippi State, different style. 
Three players last night in double figures for Mississippi State. DJ Jeffries had 11. Deshaun Murphy had 11. Will McNair Jr. had 10 in the ballgame. Uh, there is a number that stands out, or, or, or a stat line that stands out. Tolu Smith, in 23 minutes last night, he was 1 of 7 from the field and 3 of 15 from the free throw line. It's, not, it's one thing to play bad, but you're, I mean, you're actively hurting your team playing like that. He, could, he couldn't score. His touch around the rim completely got away from him, which normally he has. Normally those he gets the, the ball to drop, he gets it off the iron, the right, couldn't find it. And then at the free throw line, I, it, I, it almost felt like like Mackie Sasser, you know, when he had the yips and couldn't throw the ball back to the to the to the pitcher. I, I felt like he just couldn't hit free throws last night. He, you could have given him a hundred, and he might not have might not have hit more than ten. So, Tolu Smith not a great free throw shooter, but he's not a three right. for fifteen. He's from not the that line bad, guy. no. No, so and that's that should be State, a. Wait, 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 stay, so that should be say, a. Go ahead. Go ahead. State misses 18 free throws in the game. They go 18 of 36 from the line, 50%, and they lose by 11. Yeah, and that's not going to happen every week. So that should give you some confidence that they played defensively pretty well. They held Alabama under their their season average. They were in the game until late, but their free throw shooting, and their shooting overall just killed them. Uh, If they can just be a little bit better offensively, though, they're going to be fine. Tough game this weekend, and then we'll see what happens after that. I'm sorry, on Tuesday, and then we'll see what happens after that. Next home game for Mississippi State in, uh, what, nine days? uh, Next Saturday, they've got Mm -hmm. uh, Ole Miss coming in. Ole Miss Uh, Miss opened SEC play. Uh, Borky mentioned it earlier. They had 11 minutes in the second half where they did not make a basket. Ole Miss played much better last night against Tennessee than they did against North Alabama in the loss last week. But... Much better doesn't get it done, right? I mean, it's a scoreboard business. You either win or you lose, and Ole Miss had an opportunity to win at home against a good basketball team, and they couldn't get it done. Matthew Morrell, tough night for him shooting the basketball. Uh, Deshaun Ruffin is not there yet. Rakefield played one of his better games. Amari Abram was better last night, but Ole Miss ultimately drops it. We'll be back. College Football Fix is next. Listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Yeah! We'll be back with you on Monday to begin 2023. There's some serious advocating uh, for Brian Haydad's termination on the C Spire text line. See ya, buddy. <sighs> Had a good run. 1-879-4395. You can be a part of the conversation. Also, the um, podcast is mine now. It's in your contract. Read the fine print. <laughs> Give your business. I'll the let edge. Robbie know. With gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. Where? Right here in Seaspire country. For more information, check them out online at cspire.com slash business. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. 
Pearl River Resort, the home of the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. you got two college football playoff semifinal games coming your way in two days. You can bet on those games if you are so inclined at the uh, Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. That music means it's time for the College Football Fix, which is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to BuyFordNow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Test drive an F-150, best-selling truck in America for 45 straight years at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Uh, i got football going on right now. The Cheez-It Bowl. In Orlando, Oklahoma leading 7-3 to over Florida State. Three minutes to go in the first quarter. Florida State with the football on their side of the field. Earlier today, Minnesota over Syracuse in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. And coming up later tonight, we'll get all the corporate sponsors in, even though they're not our corporate sponsors, the Valero Alamo Bowl, Texas and Washington. A top 20 matchup. Number 20, Texas, is 8-4 and four on the year. Number 12, Washington, is 10-2 and two on the year as well. So should be a fun night of, uh, of college football. When we move on through the bowl season, you've got uh, a couple of games coming up tomorrow. I said a couple. How many games are tomorrow? Uh, Maryland, NC State in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, Pittsburgh, UCLA, and the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on CBS – Notre Dame, South Carolina tomorrow afternoon in the Gator Bowl. Ohio and Wyoming streaming only in the Barstool Bowl. And then tomorrow night, Tennessee and Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That one kicks off at 7 o'clock on ESPN. So that's what's coming up tomorrow in addition to the game that you've got later tonight. How about this that just happened, by the way, in the Cheez-It Bowl? Mm -hmm. Florida State's collective is running television ads. For the bowl game. Now, I would have a question, though, if I'm a donor to said collective, why are you... Sp- I mean, the, the the spot price for commercials in these bowl games, not cheap. Is this really the most efficient use of my funds here, guys? Would be my Is first this, question. Uh, spend, spend a dollar to make, to make $2 kind of thing? Yeah, I mean... Do you, are you going to drive up enough awareness of, okay, this is how I donate to help Florida State by doing that? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Surely they did a cost analysis. Surely somebody smarter than, than us came up with that. But it does seem iffy. I'll put it that way. I, if the Bulldog Initiative or the Grove Collective did that, I would be like, that really? You know, because it's got to be a few hundred grand, right? Put that in the player's pocket, not 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 ESPN's. Florida State is more of a national brand, and so maybe True. reaching out to Florida State fans in other parts of the country that are not perhaps as locked in. I, I don't know. That is a um, feels like there's more efficient ways to go about that, but maybe it's so. their money. Yeah, they can use it however they want. But yeah. again, yeah. if if uh, one of the two collectives here that, that we talk about frequently, if they were buying TV ads, I would let them know that for a small fee, I can consult you on how to better reach your fans than that. I'm, I'm for sale. I will consult your collectives for a small fee. 
CC and Senatobia says, you guys are talking about sports too much. Just talk about it and move on. Don't make a bad business move because I'll pull all of the zero dollars I invest in advertising. Okay. Look, we'll move on. Uh, I know there are people that didn't like what Haydad said. There are other people that thought what Haydad said was absolutely great. That's kind of the cool thing about what we do is you get to have your opinion, and we get to have our opinion, and we try to share as many of your opinions as uh, as we can on the C Spire text line throughout the uh, course of the show. I, I, it, it does kind of hit the wrong way for, for us. Uh, I've always like, wanted to do this. Let me do it. I've always wanted to say this. There. If you were offended, I apologize. That did not feel sincere to me. I was completely sincere. That did not feel sincere. Uh, Zach in Oxford Mm -hmm. says, well, I guess I missed it. Just signed off of work. Oh, Zach, we had somebody that was telling us that we needed to stop talking about the old That's what the podcast is for. Yeah. Um... So, we got two college football playoff games that are two days away. TCU and Michigan. TCU is a seven and a half point underdog against the Michigan Wolverines. And then Ohio State, Georgia. And Georgia is a six and a half point favorite playing in their backyard in Atlanta. Although I would anticipate there will be plenty of Ohio State fans there. But it will be an overwhelming majority Georgia crowd. Should be a great environment uh, for, for both of those games. I feel like people have kind of rubber-stamped Michigan against TCU. And that feels like a little bit of a mistake. TCU has kind of proved all season long that when you bet against them, it's kind of what they want you to do. They like being in the underdog role, the we-can't-get-it-done role. And they just keep winning. Now, they yes, they lost to Kansas State in the, um, in the Big 12 championship game. But the overall body of work this year was really, really good for TCU. And Max Duggan is really, really good. And I keep hearing people knock on them for winning close games. I... I I'm not it's a sign of a good team. Yeah, I'm not intentionally a contrarian, but it's like, can't you say that that is a sign of a team that is very much prepared to play on a every play matters, high stakes, one score game coming down to the wire? They they've done it all season. They won't blink if this game's close. They've been tested time and time and time again and they continue to pass all of those tests. I don't get it. And with Michigan, what kind of offensive firepower can you have without your elite-level superstar running back? So, a very fascinating game here that I agree with you. People are overlooking TCU's chances here. I think they have enough offensively to score. Can they stop Michigan? What can Michigan do without their star running back? This game is not getting the love that I think it should get. It has a chance to be an electric football game. Uh, two battle-tested teams, too. Mentioned the sports book of the Golden Moon a little while ago. Um, if you're looking for value, TCU is plus two fifty. Bet a hundred dollars to win two fifty mm. on a on an outright winner, and zero value on Michigan. They are a minus three twenty favorite. 
That's bet $320 to win 100 on Michigan. And I think, you know, bowl season has shown us that the Big 12, not that bad, right? I mean, Texas Tech beats Ole Miss. Kansas gives Arkansas every bit of what they wanted. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think the, the bowl season has been that bad for the Big 12 so far. So, we'll see. I like TC. I think this game is going to be very, very close, and it could come down to the final minutes. Just looking at so the, that said, um, put the house on Michigan and the points there. Yeah. Um, Georgia, Ohio State, in terms of uh, the numbers, the, the money line numbers for that game, Georgia, obviously a favorite, but not nearly the overwhelming favorite that, uh, that Michigan is. Georgia, a minus 267 favorite. And, uh, again, pretty decent value on Ohio State at plus 215. And the total in that game is pegged for 62. Ooh, I can see that. Hayden yeah. and I were talking about this when you were out, man. People are discrediting Ohio State as well. They, I mean, they've got a future first-round pick at quarterback, a couple of two-be-on-NFL rosters immediately, wide receivers, a tight end that's going to play at the next level, a couple of offensive linemen that are going to... I mean, it's not like Ohio State is void of high-level talent just because they lost to Michigan to fall to 11-1. and They're still going to get beat, though. Which was the conclusion we came to, but still. <laughs> we came to. They have all this talent. Nah, they're probably going to get run off the field. Stetson Bennett threw for more yards this year than C.J. Stroud. Isn't that crazy? Not a lot more, yeah. but more. About 100 yards more. more. C.J. Stroud had 17 more touchdown passes, though, than Stetson Bennett. 37 touchdowns and six picks for Stroud, 20 and six for Stetson Bennett. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll be right back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. change of pace for you. No Sports Talk Mississippi tomorrow, and so that means it's time for a Food Friday on a Thursday as we look toward the New Year's weekend. Probably a weekend that a lot of you are going to be cooking. Maybe on the grill, maybe it's in the house, maybe a combination of the two. Our Food Fridays, this time Food Friday on a Thursday, brought to you by Polk's Meat. You can visit them online at polksmeat.com. But remember, and we've talked about it many times before, what we would recommend is that you buy Polk's Meat products. When you go to your grocery store, look for the Polk's Meat product packaging. And if you can't find it, well, probably need to find the manager of the meat department and let them know that you are looking for Polk's, that they're a Mississippi company. They are a company that uh, you want to support and you believe other consumers want to support as well. And their products are great. And you can tell them that picky people pick polks. I can tell you that there will be polks sausage going on my grill this weekend. 
I am uh, I'm looking forward to uh, being home this weekend. No work assignments. Got tomorrow off. Got a couple of uh, college football playoff semifinals on uh, on Saturday. And uh should be a fun cooking weekend. And it's not going to be cold like it was last weekend. Maybe a little rainy, but not cold. And so... It's supposed to be nice Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Great way to usher in the new year on <clears throat> Sunday, January 1st. So, boys, what is the food plan for the weekend? Uh, for me, you know, uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do some pork tenderloins okay. on Sunday. I'm going to hit the uh, the grocery store up tomorrow, and then for a side, I'm 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 torn. I don't know if I want to do like a like a Cajun Alfredo pasta, or do I want to do some dirty rice? I'm not really sure which way I want to go. And then I had a thought about the the dirty rice. I want you to talk. Let me talk you through it. Okay. Normally, when I do dirty rice, it's just ground beef or ground pork or, or sausage. You know, the just just like you know. Patty sausage that's raw. What if I took some pork smoked sausage and put that in, in the blender and got it Ooh. sort of ground up and used that to make dirty rice? But it's not like you would puree it in the blender, just like uh, like no, a it would be just just, just chop. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I could just chop it up real small with the knife. I don't know, but just dice it real small, but. That's a thought yeah, it, I had. It, it it feels like you're you're kind of bordering on the edge of jambalaya when when you do that. Yeah. W- without kind of getting all the way there. Right. I don't think you would be mad at yourself if you tried it though. I think I'm. I think that's the way we're gonna go. We're gonna get some Polk's Cajun style, and uh, and go from there. Uh, Cajun is my favorite. Would the garlic Best and green one. onion perhaps be the better would be flavor good. in dirty rice? That might not be a bad choice, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. I like the Cajun so much, it's hard to get away from it. No, I, I, I get that. I, I, that is yeah. absolutely my de facto when I throw it on the grill. But, um, and In fact, I had hesitated for a long time on going the garlic and green onion route and mm-hmm. did some of that over Thanksgiving, and it's great. Yeah, I, well, like, you had really, some out there when I got really there. It was good. good. Really good. Borky, what about you? Uh, we got multiple days in the weekend. Yeah, and New Year's. Weekend, you got to do your out. New Year's Day cooking. Yep. So pork chops, cabbage, which I, I actually don't mind cabbage. I know some people don't like it. I, I love the way hibachi restaurants cook cabbage personally, but I do it. Um, I just cut it up, slice it, whatever. Uh, cook a bunch of bacon, a lot of bacon. Take the bacon out, chop that up. Put the cabbage in, season like crazy, mix it up in the bacon grease, and then throw the bits of bacon back in, and that's how I'll eat cabbage. I know some people do sauerkraut, but we're in the South. Um, and uh, So that'll be New Year's Day and black-eyed peas. But I'm going to do hot dogs this weekend because uh, Nana and Pop-Pop got the little guy a uh, little play grill, and he loves taking the tongs uh. and putting the hot dogs on the grill. Loves it. It just... It, is fascinated by it for some reason. So we're going to actually grill some hot dogs this weekend. I'm going to fan some up and, you know, look at not recipes, but just like extravagant toppers you can put on, like a Chicago style with like a long pickle and all that stuff and, you know, chili on one, all that kind of thing. And just do like a whole spread of different kind of hot dogs and we're going to just pounce on them this weekend. So kind of low-key, but will be fun anyway.
Yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah. Nobody's mentioned Black Eyed Peas. That has to be part I did, of I the... I literally uh, just did. Did you say Black Eyed Peas when I you did. said... Okay. He said Black Eyed Peas. I yeah. transitioned to the hot dog thing, and, and sorry, my bad. Um, I don't know if we're going to do a pork tenderloin or pork chops. The pork chops sound really good. Do, they are good. Uh, do, do, do pork chops with Black Eyed Peas, a little bit of stewed cabbage... Although sauerkraut was kind of the, uh, that's what we did at home growing up. And I, I like the flavor of sauerkraut. I know a lot of people don't. Um, maybe some mashed potatoes to go along with the, uh, the black eyed peas and either the cabbage or the sauerkraut and, uh, some, uh, some cornbread. So that's going to be the, uh, the New Year's Day. That may be like a late afternoon New Year's Day evening meal. Early supper into- kind of thing. Yeah, kind of, kind of roll into the new year after that. We'll do church <clears> Sunday morning, and you know, afternoon kind of gets away from you. So that, that may be like a five o'clock meal on on Sunday. Saturday, Sounds I'm firing up the grill for uh, college football playoff semifinals. New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in any kind of a New Year's Eve party, but I do have interest in getting the grill going. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't you and know, me both, brother. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do steaks on the grill or if it's going to be like burgers and sausage. I will I will save you a joke here. I'll give you the punchline. How is that different than any other day of your life, hey, Dad? And when I tell you that on New Year's Eve, or I think I've mentioned our family tradition is we do a, it's called junk food night, and we don't, we just tell the kids and we you can eat whatever you want. If you want cake for dinner, you can have cake for dinner on New Year's Eve. It's, it's something we've been doing their whole lives uh, it goes back to the first uh, New Year's where my wife was pregnant with our oldest and we couldn't really go anywhere because she was just miserable. So we just went to the grocery store and she got some chocolates and some chips and dip and it just sort of evolved from there. So everybody gets to pick four things at the well. I get to pick as much as I want, but because I'm <laughs> me. It's, but but the kids get to pick four things they can have and then we and we don't put any restrictions on them. I like it, even it's on great the quantities. Idea. I mean, yeah, you can't get four cakes. You can get one cake, but I mean, you can't you can't like get an entire package of double store stuffed Oreos and eat all of them. You can get the package of double stuffed Oreos, but we would probably encourage you not to eat all of them. Yeah, it's, like uh, yeah, when you're full, maybe Richard, you should stop. There's no rules, man. I hear you. The only rule is four. It's anarchy, man. Uh, here we go. Some of your uh, plans for the weekend. Uh, this put polks in your cabbage and then cook it on. Uh, cook the Great sausage idea. on the blackstone. That's not. That's all. not a bad idea. That's not a good idea. Hey, somebody on your dirty rice with the uh, sausage ground up suggested maybe removing the casing. I actually had that thought, and yeah, that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, uh, here we go. Larry in my says I picked up stuffed pork chops from. Cooper Meat and Florence, and I will be good. Sounds good. Bacon-wrapped tenderloin. Got a picture of that in a cast-iron skillet that is on a grill. Yes, you are living right. Cabbage with ham hocks, black-eyed peas with chow-chow on the side, and fried fatback, seared and or grilled filet for dinner. Mm -hmm. Doing it right. Happy New Year. I uh, got my wife an automatic potato peeler for Christmas. Mashed potatoes are a certainty. That's from Kyle. Good call. 
Uh, Butch from Petal, pork chops, cabbage, Hoppin' John's, and buttermilk cornbread. That is a tradition. Yeah, Hoppin' John is something that uh, my wife's family has done, and uh, I like it okay. Zach in Oxford says, when we talk to our friends at Polk's next, could we suggest perhaps a green onion, garlic, and Cajun sausage all in one? Got to be a point in your mouth. Be a lot of flavor going there. Uh, backstrap, stuffed with spinach and mushrooms, wrapped in bacon. Oh. For the win. Let's see here. Brandon, sauerkraut and weenies, cornbread, sweet tea. It's a lazy countryman supper, he says. Uh, a vote for Mississippi Caviar. Good call. That's the uh, the black eyed pea salad. Yeah, you do that cold, don't you? Yeah, it's really good on tortilla chips. Ooh, or, or, or scoops if you prefer. That's your food Friday on a Thursday, presented by Polk's and Polk's Meat Products. Remember, folks, no buts about it. Picky people pick Polk's. I love you. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to the, back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Oklahoma leading 14 to 3 over Florida State. Second quarter, eight minutes and change to play in the Cheez It Bowl in Orlando. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Whether you're looking for the collegiate collection or just your everyday wear, Genteel has got you covered. You can uh, order again online, whether it's uh, golf shirts or pullovers or pants or shorts as you go towards springtime. Great stuff. Give it a try. If you haven't before, promise you are going to love it. Genteelapparel.com or select men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. On Monday, Mississippi State and Illinois will meet on the gridiron in Tampa in the ReliaQuest Bowl. Some notes. Okay. (laughs) Some notes. First on Illinois. Touchdown Florida State. Uh, Illinois had its first eight-win season since when, guys? It's the last time Illinois won eight games in a regular season. 2007. They went nine and four and went to the Rose Bowl in two thousand seven. How could you forget Juice Williams? I got Juice. to I saw oh, I didn't him. forget Juice Williams. I saw him play that I season. That's how year. I know. Is that Rashard Mendenhall still there as well? Or what's the deal? How about fifteen years between eight win seasons? <sighs> Kinda rough. Illinois finished 5-4 in the Big Ten. It was their first finish above 500 in the Big Ten since the aforementioned 2007 team that went 6-2. and two. Their S&P Plus was most improved in the Big Ten, ninth most improved in the entire country. Illinois and Michigan 
are the only teams in the country with three wins over teams in the top 15 of total defense. Wins over Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin, who were numbers 5, 6, and 13 in total defense this season. Brett Bielema, 13-11 and 11 as the head coach at Illinois. It's the best two-year start for an Illinois head coach since John Makovic in the 1988 and 89 seasons. Um, Illinois really good on the defensive side. They rank yeah. in the top 10 in 17 different major defensive categories during the season. But hey, Dad, they will be without their best defensive player in this game mm-hmm. who has opted out to get ready for the NFL draft. Devin Witherspoon, who was a uh, Thorpe Award finalist, uh, not playing. I, I, and at least I have to go back and re-listen to my interview, which you can check out on the Thunder Lightning podcast feed with Matt Stevens from IlliniGuys.com. Uh, at least one other starter missing from the secondary. It might be two. I think. I think. I want to say it's a safety, and both corners have opted out for for them. And then on top of that, of course, their defensive coordinator is no longer there. Ryan Walters. He took the head coaching job at Purdue. So a lot of question marks about this defense. And then on top of that, you know, Mississippi State, will, uh, which we're not 100% sure what they're going to look like offensively because, you know, Mike Leach is gone. But they're going to be, you know, they're still going to pass the ball a lot more than they run it. And in the Big Ten, you know, Purdue doesn't see a lot of that. I would say Purdue. Purdue is the only one you see doing that. Illinois doesn't see that very often. Uh, now, Illinois did a real, I, I went back and looked. Illinois did a really good job uh, against Purdue in their passing game earlier this season. But Purdue was able to run the ball pretty effectively on them, and that's part of the reason Purdue was able to get the win. So I'm, th- that's where, if you said, give me an advantage for Mississippi State, that's where it is. State has all this experience on offense, and even without Leach, you you feel you trust Spurrier and and Rodgers to be able to, to work together, and they should be able to do some things against this Illinois defense, who's just going to have a lot of new faces back there. 12.2 points per game. That's what... Illinois is giving up, which is number one in scoring defense in the country. In their wins, their eight wins, Illinois gave up six points to Wyoming, three to Virginia, shutout against Chattanooga, ten on the road at Wisconsin, six to Iowa, 14 to Minnesota, nine to Nebraska, and three to Northwestern. And they really didn't give up a ton of points in their losses either. 23 to Indiana in week two. And then they had a three-game losing streak where they gave up 23 to Michigan State. Most they gave up all year was to Purdue on senior day in Champaign. They gave up 31 points in a loss. And then they gave up just 19 to, to Michigan. It's a stingy defense that Mississippi State very good. is dealing with. Yeah, uh, it's very good. How about some notes for Mississippi State? In the last 13 years, Mississippi State has doubled its total number of bowl appearances. 26th all-time bowl appearance, 13th in a row. So 13 years ago, Mississippi State had been to 13 bowl games. 13 years later, they've been to 26 bowl games. One of only seven programs in the country that have gone to a bowl game every year since 2010, which is the third longest streak in the SEC, trailing only Alabama and Georgia. Mississippi State in bowl games all-time is 14-11, and 7-5 and five in their last 12. 
This is Mississippi State's second trip to Tampa for the ReliQuest Bowl, formerly known as the Outback Bowl. Their lone previous appearance came three years ago, 2019, against Iowa. It is the third meeting all-time against Illinois. They first played, or last played in 1980, a game that Mississippi State won 28-21. They've never met in the postseason. I wasn't there for that one. In 1980? No. Just a babe. I was alive, but, you know. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, Mississippi State is trying to get its ninth nine-win season all time. Been playing football for a long time. Yeah. What? Closing in on 150 years? Uh, I'd have 120, to 125 years? Something like that, okay. yeah. They have eight nine-win seasons all time. A win over Illinois would make number nine. Um, football Power Index says Mississippi State is the 16th most efficient team in college football. Defensively, they are 11th nationally in defensive efficiency. Their special team's efficiency ranking is 12. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Other than there are a lot of teams and Mississippi State's good. Yeah. Um, And finally, Mississippi State played the sixth toughest schedule and the third toughest schedule among bowl-eligible teams this year. What's important in this game, Haydep? Mentality and emotion. You know, we, we, we know, and Borky said this the other day, that athletically Mississippi State is more talented than Illinois. They just are. They're probably every position. But we've never, I mean, have we? we don't have any kind of analysis or evidence or or, or stats to, to tell us how a team is going to react to playing in a game less than a month after their coach passed away. So we, we don't know the answer to that. Now, Zach Arnett's saying all the right things, that this team is motivated, they want to win this game for Mike Leach. Um, we finally got confirmation today of the worst-kept secret that Emmanuel Forbes, is in, he's down there in Tampa, he is playing in this game. That's good for Mississippi State, and I almost feel like it's a lock that he'll make a big play just because it's his last game. But, you know, how are they going to react? How is Will Rogers going to play when it's not Mike Leach in his ear telling him what to do? You know, how are they going to how are they going to be able to over are they going to be emotionally exhausted, emotionally hung over? I don't know what the term is. So I feel like there's no middle ground. I feel like they're either going to be incredibly motivated and incredibly energized to play and to win for Mike Leach, or the emotion of it is just going to be too much for them to bear, and they'll be out there just going through the motions, and if that's the case, they're going to get beat. So I feel like we're going to know in the first five to ten plays of the game, right, how State looks, if they're out there, if they're fired up, and, and they're, they're you know helping each other up and, and, and you know all that, then you got to feel good. But if you go out there and you can just tell, I mean, because you can tell. You can tell when a team's not engaged. If if, if they're not, you're going to know pretty early, I think. You know, it was it was interesting last night in Houston watching. I, I was on the field during pregame warmups, and you know, you had heard leading up to the Houston Bowl how excited Texas Tech was to be there. They had a ton of fans mm-hmm. at the game last night, 
and then you watch them going through warm-ups, and it was abundantly clear how excited they were to be there. Tons of energy and emotion and just kind of pep in everybody's step. And, and Ole Miss didn't look like they didn't want to be there by any stretch, but it was just kind of just kind of going through your stretches, going through your pregame warm-ups. It wasn't, you know, just guys jumping all over the place and super excited. It was it was a different approach. And hey Dad, look, I, I think I said this yesterday when we were talking about Ole Miss and previewing that game. You you think you know, but you never really know. I think we know about Mississippi State. Be shocked if they're not super excited to be there, super excited to finally be back on the football field, which for a lot of guys is kind of like the safe space, right? I mean, it's a violent place, yeah. but it's the place where you get to do the thing that you do well, and that's play football. We'll wrap it up with you next, Sports Talk Mississippi. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. It's Thursday afternoon. It's our last segment of 2022 on Sports Talk Mississippi. And we're in that that two-week stretch where you spend a lot of time going, what day is it? What, what day is today? Which way is up? Uh, we will be off tomorrow. You have a best of sports talk, Mississippi, coming your way tomorrow afternoon. Uh, well, you'll have to wait and see if Hey Dad yells at you uh, in that edition of the show. Uh, I don't know if that's the best of or the worst of or somewhere in between, but uh, it, it felt good. I just hope, I just hope uh, Borky asking me if I was a long-distance runner uh, makes the cut. That's all I really want. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon wants to know if uh, we talked about our New Year's Eve plans that he lives vicariously through us and he will be in bed at 10. Yeah. Whenever the last game is over, I'll go to sleep. I, I don't know what time um, Georgia and Ohio State is going to finish, but I would imagine that not too long after that, I will be headed to uh, headed to bed. Yeah. Although it probably depends on how many kids are at my house. I, I still am not fully briefed on what the uh, plans are for New Year's Eve. But I am going to be at home. I do know that. Borky, you got a big party to go to? No. I mean, I'm sure, but I'm not going. Football, man. It's the playoffs. I'm going to go to some yeah. party and wear a goofy hat and listen to drunk people blow on those little noisemakers. No, I'm going to... Get a cheap bottle of whiskey because that's all I can afford, and I'm actually going to hopefully go to a local drugstore and find one of those big ice cube molds and watch football. People, people must think you're close to homeless, man. You, you pour mouth yourself more than anybody human being alive. I, I like the dichotomy we have between Borky, I'm going to get a cheap bottle of whiskey, and Richard, I'm flying on my private plane. Jokes. I mean, it's just like. It's almost like neither are quite true. Yeah, like the truth really is somewhere in the middle. Hey, well, and, and cheap for me, I, I'm going to get, you know, like a $40 bottle is what I would call. Okay. You know, it's cheap for people like Richard. I'm going to get you a bottle of Blanton's <laughs> or something, man. Oh, man. I, I, I tried to convince my dad to let me take home a, a bottle of Widow Jane, 
but he wouldn't let me take it with me. Hey, come on, Pops. I know. Oh, man. Apparently, that's hard to get um, on the eastern seaboard. He's, he knows a guy that owns a liquor store, and the guy called him and said, hey, I've got one bottle. You want to come down and get it? And that was like a big deal over there. And I was like, I feel like people <laughs> here get that more. Yeah, like It's more readily common. available than that. But either way, I tried to get him to let me have it, and that was a hard no. He's like, nope. Did, did you get to enjoy it with him while you were there? I did. Okay. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. Uh, that is that is good. All right, guys, so we've got like uh, two and a half minutes left in the uh, 2022 edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Any final thoughts on the year? It's been an interesting one. It's been, it's been one to remember for sure. Yes. I have um, kind of an abiding thought for the year, and that is that uh, winning a national championship is fun. The teams around here should do that more. Yeah, I'm I would be in it. favor of at least at least one of those teams in this state doing that more often. Yes, for sure. Yes, I am. Uh, I am for it. I, I want to give a special I, thank. I, all you. I want. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to give a special thank you one to to our audience who's here every day because you guys are, are what pays the bills. But two, the Auburn fans who have clicked on the YouTube videos for the last couple of months, <laughs> so angry. <laughs> At the content in them, <laughs> I appreciate you very much. The year-end numbers report the Tennessee is Tennessee fans be, back in uh, baseball season were good, too. Yeah, Auburn's on a negative. The Auburn fans on the internet are next level, man. I mean, like moths to a flame. Just mention Auburn, Hugh Freeze, or SEC West, and whoo, clicks, baby. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of big plays in the Cheez-It Bowl, but not a ton of scoring. Oklahoma leading Florida State 14-11 to with a minute and a half to go. Oklahoma has the ball just across midfield. Uh, a news item for you today, uh, Luke Altmeyer has committed to Illinois. So he is going to play for Brett Bielema and the Illinois Fighting Illini starting next season. I don't know if he'll go to Tampa for the bowl game or if he'll just watch it on television, but... Uh, Congratulations and and good luck to uh, Luke Altmeyer, who is, um, in my interaction with him, is a really good guy, uh, and he's a talented player. And hope that uh, he gets the opportunity to do just that at Illinois in the Big Ten. Uh, thank you to all of you for being with us on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, whenever you are able to consume the program, however you are able to consume the program. We thank you very, very much for that. And we look forward to an outstanding 2023 with you. We will be off tomorrow. We'll be back with you on Monday. And on Monday, we will be breaking down Mississippi State's game against Illinois, which should have gone final by the time we come on the air. And also the college football playoff semifinals. We will have a national championship game set when we come on the air on Monday. So a big sports weekend coming up. Thanks for being with us. Happy New Year to all of you. We'll talk to you on Monday. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.